accompaniment tonight. I've got a small black you... creek. I've got, I've got an assistant. Oh, well, that's, that's absolutely brilliant, Rob. Uh, we are live at the podcast. It's uh, the Notley Podcast, episode 90. Uh, I'd like to welcome you. I'm Christian Smith, uh, sitting here in Wales once again. And tonight it's just me in West London, Rob Overfield. Looking to talk some football, looking to talk some everything, and hope I don't get distracted too much by my little four-pawed assistant this evening. Oh, it shouldn't... Damn it. It shouldn't be too... Sorry, I've tried to log in somewhere and it won't let me log in. Um... It shouldn't be too uh, long a one tonight. Uh, there's not too much to talk about. I was hoping to uh, get you really ranting tonight with a couple of things, but <laughs> I don't think it's I don't think it's really going to work that much because I'm going to start with the fact that uh, James unfortunately is not able to be with us. Neither is Dave, and um, I didn't get to see a match at the weekend for a change. Uh, although Trinity did come from behind and win, uh, which is always a bonus. And your voice, actually, you, you went uh, away and you won. <laughs> yes, uh, it was one of those games where you look you look at it at the final whistle and you think, how on earth did that happen and did it really happen? Um, Hampton and Richmond-Borough went to Enfield, one of the better examples of a fan-owned and run club um, in the southeast. And it was, you know, it was a windy day. We all know what the weather was like. And... Um, 89th minute, Hampton were two one down, didn't get anything from the game at all. 91st minute, a corner into the wind, blew back, beat everybody, bounced off the post, hit a, a defender and went into the back of the net to give Hampton the equaliser. Um, so that was one stroke of luck. And then for the winner, two minutes later in the 93rd, the keeper tries to clear the ball, hits one of his own defenders 20 yards or perhaps even 30 yards downfield and it bounces back with a bit of force. Uh, keeper comes dashing out to try and punt it away but one of our speedier players had noticed what was going on and charged in and managed just to get a toe end on it just before the keeper got there and it rolled. Yeah. <laughs> Three points we didn't deserve but we'll take them anyway. One of those, we used a month's supply of luck up in about ooh, two and a half minutes. Well, three points. As you said, it got you three points, which is the uh, the main thing, really. Um, as we're coming into the the busy uh, Christmas period, because uh, it's so busy that uh, I've got non football related things which are causing me to be unavailable for the next two weeks. Uh, so uh, this is going to be the last podcast for a couple of weeks. Uh, I do apologise to the listeners that this work thing that I keep having to do. Um, <laughs> really does get in the way of trying to do other things and uh, run the show. But um, I want to start tonight with a topic from the last couple of seasons that I think has got you quite ranty, uh, Rob. But this one seems to have gone the way uh, it fizzled out nicely, as it is for the club. Um, We're talking about Telford, and uh, they were in court today, or due to be in court today, to listen to a winding up order. Um, raised by the HMRC because uh, they say that they owe them money. But it actually appears that Telford were in the right and have paid, but unfortunately the HMRC hadn't processed everything in time and so had issued the winding up uh, petition. But then it looks like they've uh, withdrawn that. And just to quote from um, somebody who's posted on the Van Rama 
non-league uh, North Forum on uh, non-league forums. Um, they learned on Friday that the club was in subjects of a winding up petition, uh, which they believe was in, incorrectly instigated by the HMRC. Um, they were notified in a signed for letter that um, they did owe. Uh, that was on the 29th of October. That they did owe eleven thousand for um, PAYE and VAT not paid uh, up until that date. Uh, they have they did prove to the HMRC they had already paid it, and so that was taken off. And it then appears that that wasn't taken off properly, um, and that it looks like they were still issued with a winding up order uh, for non-payments of. Uh, Her Majesty's taxes, which so I I feel for them a little bit um, Mm. that it's gone all the way down here, and obviously it's a little bit of a talking point. But uh, the the club goes on to state that they have paid nearly one hundred seventy-five thousand pounds in VAT and a further one hundred sixty-nine thousand pound in PAYE over the last uh, couple of seasons. So it's not um, it's not that. Not that bad, and it's not like they've missed a payment as far as they're concerned. So they are obviously a bit uh, shocked and dismayed that they've been had their name dragged through the mud somewhat. Mm, it just seems, just seems rather odd. Um, I mean, there they are. They've it's been confirmed by the um, the wise old patricians of the Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs Service that you know oh, it's all been paid, everything's sorted. No issues, no stain on the club's character. And then to get a letter to say that, uh, no, you're not, is um, is a winding up petition being put in front of the court today or imminently. Uh, I think if I was Telford, I would have been been gobsmacked. You know, from a government department like that who has to have everything correctly by nature of what it does – to for one part of the the custom service to say it's all been paid, and for the department that also arranges the court appearances and arranges all the publicity surrounding the court orders, for all of a sudden not to know about it. It's a case only it's one hand not talking to the other hand, or you know, it's like it's it's unbelievable, and I mean. I mean, Telford really um, should actually take this as far as they can now. Basically, they've gone and done all, all that was asked of them. They've paid their debts. They've cleared it up. Everything is back to where it should be. And yet some, yet some people in the in you know, the Manchester Revenue and Customs can't seem to talk to any other department. Miscommunication, that's what it will be put down to. But the thing is, a department like that shouldn't be miscommunicating internally. It's one thing to perhaps do it with the clients. To do it amongst yourselves, that does not look good. It doesn't give you any confidence that they actually know what they're doing in the first place if they can't talk to each other over something as simple as a cancellation of a court order. It's just madness. I feel sorry for Telford in that respect. I really do. Yeah, just just, just to continue uh, the quoting from the uh, Telford, uh, they acknowledged uh, this morning... Um, they had an acknowledgement on the 17th of November in writing that uh, the court hearing was going to be cancelled. And at 10 a.m. this morning, the barrister had still not received an instruction that the case should be dismissed. Um, 
So I think it's it is uh, they have requested an apology, and it has caused a bit of embarrassment um, because obviously the first anybody heard of this um, and was the first I heard of this was actually on Friday when Vanarama posted, sorry, the Vanarama National League posted a, a statement about the club um, stating that they'd been informed like the club have to do, informed of wind up at what winding up order uh, against them and obviously potentially it could have uh, caused them not any, not only just the embarrassment but as they're only sitting there on 13 points if they if uh, the National League adopted them say three or five points that's really putting them in there in a mire and relegation to a possible candidate mm. I think interesting working on my simple maths which could be wrong <laughs> uh, £168,000 £169,000 over two years works at approximately £7,000 a month in PAYE. Um, yes, to be paying £7,000 a month in PAYE, you've got to be paying a lot of people because that's a lot of money. Oh, there's uh, a few people on a lot. Yeah. Cause... It's one or the other. And it's, just, it's hard to work out, you know, if it doesn't actually make Telford think on hold on. Why are we paying so much? Where's all the money being paid to? Who is it being paid to? I can understand the manager getting a you know a fair you know a a, 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 fair, a fair amount because you you know you've got to be able to pay your manager and you've got to be able to get good ones if you can afford them. And your players similarly, you've got to have a few good ones that are on good wages. But they're just you know, to just... that they are sitting bottom four points adrift with a game named uh, higher of the Vanarama National League North. So um, they are candidate for a double drop if ever there was one. True and true, and you know, there's potentially another leagues for a similar thing. But you know, in this case of how could you trust a government department that can't talk and talk between its internal departments, can't you know manage to communicate to the barristers who are supposedly going to stand up in court and actually represent them that it's been cancelled because those gentlemen will not be on. Um, pittances to stand up in the high court so they will probably in all, in all likelihood turned up expecting to do the job today and earn the fee to find out when they get there it's been cancelled for a week or two and nobody sought to tell them there's going to be a problem there with that as well who's going to who's going to sort it out if they can't talk to each other and get the bar- and inform the barristers that are supposed to be there yeah, it makes you wonder if they're actually doing the job of processing our tax revenues properly. Well, it does to me anyway. I'm just suspicious. No, I I, I fully agree with you. Um, they they seem to process my tax revenues quite quickly, uh, especially when they're asking for money, and because I seem to get that quite a lot. Um, so yeah, it's it's something, and I do feel for Telford. It is it's the embarrassment, but as I say, it could have even been potentially almost doomed them to relegation because we're halfway through the season. They are five points adrift from the non from the relegation zone. Uh, five points adrift at the bottom of the table. They've played two games extra than virtually everybody above them, and so this really is is not what's needed at the club when they're tra- trying to obviously rally together to uh, stave off the uh, the uh, dreaded drop. So it's a it's another one of those things that we go on about the mismanagement of football clubs, and I'm. I'm shocked i will say i am shocked by the the paye bell that they have but um mainly because of where they are in in the table but uh 
if they've paid every penny that they they owe, and the least they could be due is a, an apology. But like you say, uh, two hundred pounds an hour barrister standing there in court saying, "Oh, uh, well, actually, uh, Mister uh, Judge, uh, we're going to uh, not try this case now. Thank you." It's uh, mm. a, a lot of money and a lot of expense. Um, mm. They wonder why the country is uh, <laughs> the best of health, as it were. Mm. And uh, just one thing before I leave that table. Uh, I've just noticed that uh, North Ferriby, Doom and Gloom, potentially going to take mm. relegation, etc. The second. Yep. So it's it shows that the money hasn't disappeared from there, although a few of the players have. Now, is it the, the best thing that they maybe got rid of some of the more mercenary players and just stayed with people who wanted to stay at the club? I mean, that's possible because ever since the FA Trophy um, win at Wembley uh, back in the... Hang on, was it March? March, I think it was. It was March. It seems a long time ago. It's just that the way that they mess around with the scheduling of the finals, I sometimes forget what's when and where and whatever. But, um, you know, it's been it's been interesting to actually follow them on social media. And, you know, they, I mean, and there they are now. You know, what's it now? Nine months later after winning the trophy. Okay, admittedly, they've, they've now been eliminated, been knocked out from the trophy, so they're not going to defend it at Wembley. And, um, you know, the, you said the second, and um, I have to admit, I'm not surprised in the slightest because the trophy win looks as if it's galvanised the, if not the area, at least it's galvanised the team and the club as a whole. And now they're definitely something to be watched in the Vanarama North, and that's uh, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they go. Um, cup competitions can make or break a club, and it looks like that's made North Ferriby. Well, that's the thing. the 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 money from that, uh, speaking about money, was um, I think it worked out. I think totally almost hundred thousand. So a fair whack, and that should have should keep a club uh, wage bill uh, wise uh, in in quite good stead. And yeah. I say the, the cynic in me now looking at it is were the Alums playing a very dangerous, but uh, obviously lucrative game at this point um, where they've said right we're going to pull out and the people who are the high earners who say well I'm not taking a pay cut and have gone elsewhere mm. and yet the people who stayed and they're still motoring up the table so I don't want to get too <laughs> sidetracked by that it's just first time I've seen the, the actual uh, full table mm. because I generally just Look, number Trinity. Where are we? Right, okay, uh, and not not concentrate too much on everything else that's going on. Yeah, uh, and so they just uh, surprised me a little bit that uh, Ferriby have moved all worked second, considering I think it was probably three or four, well, about a month ago they were in twelfth with uh, just above Trinity. So it uh, shows what a, a few games can make. Indeed. Well, what makes the game? interesting to most people is uh, the person in the middle of the pitch and we're going to go across to your blog because it was released this week um, it would be if I clicked on the right thing it, it was released this week uh, the survey, uh, the respect style survey of the uh, FA and some shocking findings really uh, weren't they Rob and I know it's, it's, it must have been shocking because it forced you to go to uh, your blog to actually uh, say your thoughts on this but uh, just on the BBC website there's that 
awful picture um, of uh, the referee Donald Dustin, who was uh, physically assaulted last year. The player was jailed, but uh, at the end of the day, it's a gaze. Uh, a couple of groups of men kicking around uh, synthetic leather, uh, running around like headless chickens half the time. Yes, I mean, I suppose really those of us that sit on the sidelines and watch the game from there... What this survey has produced is shouldn't really surprise us because it's seen all the time. And um, when you're getting uh, the, the the numbers of you know, referees responding to say that they've experienced, you know, verbal abuse, when you get nearly two thirds of the, I think it was about two and a half thousand responders saying that they'd actually been on the receiving end of this. And then almost 20% say they've actually experienced physical abuse as regards being a referee at the game. It just makes you wonder what on earth people are doing when they're out on the pitch. As you said, Kristen, it's nothing more than a game, a sport, although up at the top end of the game, it's more of a business. But at the level that we watch and the level that we see played all the way down to Sunday mornings, you know, people are starting to get it so the referee has to be a robot. He has to be an automaton. He has to have a perfect recall of the laws, have to have a perfect knowledge of to, to apply them properly. And when they don't, the referee's an idiot. And yet some of their attitudes, that if they took them to their office or their place of employment, would definitely put them on the verbal uh, written warning path towards being dismissed. And yet when it comes to football, it's acceptable. It's allowed. Heat of the moment. Heat of the moment, my left foot. If you've got to the point of where you cannot control your emotions, where something means so much to you that everything just flies out the window, you suffer from what's called white line fever, then you just have to think, well, isn't that taking it too seriously? And I just couldn't believe some of the things I've read in that. Yeah, I mean, okay, at the top end of the game, the respect agenda seems to be working. You know, there's a, you know, when you're talking about, you know, the professional game and possibly up to as far as step two or three of the non-league game, referees are saying it has made a difference. It does seem to be a lot less aggro than what they used to. Are we sure it's not down to the numerous video cameras that are at every game at that level? And... Mm. Uh, the fact that the players it's not more, it's not a case of he should he said he said mm. uh, it is no look this is what happened mm. so I think some of it could be some of it could be the fact knowledge that the you know the players would have to have in the back of their mind that whatever happens it's going to be all there recorded um, you know there's no basically at the, at the levels of the game now there is no real hiding place from anything um, and, and that's the way it should be you should not you know, be looking to, you know, basically take out your frustrations on the match officials because they're volunteers. Yes, to get paid fees, but it's not what you could make a living out of. I mean, at our level, Chris, I mean, it's £55 for the referee, I think, and about 30 plus travelling expenses for the assistant, you see. So you could never make a living. So almost 10% of what some of the players get. Yeah. You know, it's just, you know, the... They, they do it because they want to get give back to the game. They want to be involved in the game. Some of them, admittedly, are failed players and or they got injured. But when all said and done, 
who are we to say that the referees right or wrong? That's the part of the problem. We think we know what the rules are. As I mentioned in my blog, which I will not be displeased if people read, um, I get a chance to talk to the referees' assessors. I get a chance to talk to the officials themselves after the game. And it can be quite instructive to think that, yes, you're good, you do know the rules, and then you get told you don't. <laughs> I mean, one example of this that I learned was the fact that once upon a time, two balls on the pitch, one of them had to be removed, you know, play stopped, ball removed, restart. Apparently now, it's a case of as long as the second ball is not interfere, is not involved in the action. Say, for an example, the play, the play is down in one half near the corner onto the pitch in the opposite corner once upon a time the game used to have to be stopped and one of the, that ball in the cor- far corner would have to be cleared away no the, now the law says you play on didn't realise that until I spoke to the, to talk to the, the assessor one day and there's the problem we all think we know the laws of the game turns out we don't there's only one person with the eyes with the viewpoint to have to make one decision and that's the referee, the man that you give them, you know, his feet to. He's got one view. He's got one angle. He sees it one way. It's not the same way that I see it. You see it. So the manager sees it. The players in the, the fans in the stand behind the goal see it. It's his view and his opinion that counts. Nothing you could say will make a blind bit of difference to his decision. And this is another bugbear of mine. People, players getting booked for dissent. For me, dissent is the most stupid pointless, idiotic way to get booked. You're inflicting it on yourself because you didn't know when to shut up. And this is why I entitled the blog Referees are Required but Not Respected. It works both ways. You respect the referee, he'll give you, well, he won't give you a better deal, but he'll definitely be more, you know, he'll tell you why. It'll be love respect for you if you have respect for him. But the players just don't seem to think that. They think a lot of the referees are beneath them. Yeah, and yeah, okay. Talk to the referee. Get him to explain what he's what he's doing. But don't think you know better because you don't. These guys are trained, tested, assessed any weakness, and he gets rooted out and they get demoted down a level or two. They shouldn't have to think when they go out on the field that they've got a danger of being hurt. But that's where the game's going at the lower levels. I may be a bit you know, idealistic on this one. But for me, you either accept what he says, you accept the laws of the game, you accept that there is standards within the game. Because if you don't, you might as well not even be there. I, I just cannot understand. Yes, we all get excited about the game. And that's the way it should be. But don't try and think, don't try, don't try and tell somebody who's trained to do the job, that you can do the job better than him with no training because it doesn't work. You know, perhaps, perhaps listeners can explain to me how it is that the best judge of an, an offside decision are the fans behind the goal perpendicular to the line of the action. <laughs> See it all the time. We always think that the challenges made on our players are worse than the ones that our players inflict on others. It's part of life. That's what happens. Doesn't mean it's right. Doesn't mean it's doesn't mean that's the way it's going. You know, you hear it all the time sitting in the stands, you know. A lot of, a lot of the fans are just showing their ignorance. And let's face it, there's nothing worse than somebody who thinks they're clever being made to look a complete idiot. Sorry for why sorry for starting off the rant, but it's just one of the things that annoys me. 
you know, you, you know, the referees are there because they choose to be. They're like the players. Players don't. Players aren't. You know, they aren't force marched onto the field. They're there because they want to play. They're good at what they do. Well, well relatively. Like <laughs> you I said, like, like to hope that they are. Well, this is true. This is true. I mean, you know, it's one of those things. You know, everybody finds their own level. But to turn round and tell the referee is wrong, just because it's not the decision that you want. Isn't that just? Is that ego? Is it a case of, you know, self-importance? Do they think that because they're a player, they know better than anybody else? I don't think so. Some of the best referees in the world that we've seen over the last thirty, forty years might not have been great players. You think of um, the Italian Kalina. Didn't mess with him. He had respect because he, he knew he would get a decent, decent, you know. Decent decision for me. In this country, for lots of years, you had David Ellery. Again, he wasn't. He would first admit he wasn't much of a player, but he knew, you know, he knew what he had to do and he knew how to do it. And he also because he more often than than a lot are perceived to do, give a good, give a quick decision and was fair to everybody. Yes, there were some referees that you really don't want to see again. And that's even after the assessor's spoken to them. But, you know, you've just got to accept that the referee is there to know what he's doing. He's trained. You're not. Oh, he's there to make the decision. And I know myself, sometimes you think, is he really impartial? But, yeah, they are. It's it's one of those things. And it's like when they always go on about, oh, well, we need goal line technology. We need this. We need that. We need the other. Well, do we? do we not isn't the human aspect part of it and isn't the mistakes that they do make and obviously they do make mistakes because everybody will they'll look at it back and they'll review it and that's why you see so many referees hold their hands up and say yep okay i shouldn't have sent him off uh yellow card maximum let's rescind Mm. it and they're always involved in that decision it's not just a straight fa decision um it's it's interesting uh what a dull game it would be if it was all about the facts and figures and mm. the referee never made a mistake and mm. there was no talking points. It would be like baseball mm. where you know what's going to happen nine times out of ten. The guy is going to miss everything and nothing's going to happen. Mm. Mm. Um, but we want the thing. I'll admit, I go and watch a game and sometimes you think, no way was that. But it's then, that's it, it's gone, it's moved, it's over. Mm. Yes, the referee can make an impact. Mm. And I know during all the bribery scandals and all the match fixing and all the other stuff, like you just said, if I had money and I wanted to place a uh, little bet on a match and I wanted to fix the match, the person who's paid least out of all those lot on that pitch is the ref. Mm-hmm. And so he would be the one you, you'd approach. I'm not saying that people have. Well, I know that we know that people have, but I'm not saying that every referee's like that. I'm not saying every decision's like that. It's just that. It's it always it, it always um, gets me because at the end of the day, if you look at rugby, the players will belt three barrels out of each other. Mm. As soon as that referee says something, they say yes, sir, and wander off. Mm. And that's what we've lost m- many years ago. I think in football is the respect and. Mm. Like you say, there it's all well and good saying, well, at the top top level of the game, we're getting the respect. 
what do your classes respect? They may not get pushed and shoved when you think that, was it Paolo Di Canio got 12, 10, 12 matches for pushing over a ref? Um, mm. I've seen the managers on the sideline. They're swearing and bawling at mm. the ref. Mm. What, what difference does that make? Yeah, okay, they're just shouting at them. They're not physically abusing them. The players are shouting at them. So when they say the respect agenda, what do they actually mean by that? Yeah. Is it the fact that the referees are being compensated enough to say, right, shut up, don't, you, you can take this as uh, a little bit of a, a payoff for, yeah, the players are still absolute arses to you. Uh, yeah. The managers are absolutely awful. We'll blame you because of their own ineptitude. Um, and then, oh, look at it now. It's... The refs mm. are saying, well, okay, yeah, we're, we're doing the, the agendas happening up there. Mm. But down at our level, where you don't get the scrutiny of the referees, um, of the players, of everything at the same degree, it then just comes to, well, yeah, it is abusive. And like you say, getting booked for dissent, well, that's ridiculous. Mm. You, should, I mean, you should shut up. The referees don't ever just say, right, I've had enough. First time you say something to him. Mm. Mm. That's true. I mean, one of the things that really gets up my nose is when a player's already been booked for something else. And then for some instant on the field, just starts on the referee with, you know, and, you know, gets a second yellow card for that descent and gets himself sent off. That is the stupidest thing. You know, you've already put your team in trouble. You know, yellow card means, you know, you've got to be careful. And then for you to do, inflict that on yourself, and then so doing, you know, diminish your team is even sillier. But going back to your point about the rugby referees, I think part of it is is to basically the background to the players in many respects. Because don't forget... Ooh, for, class warfare. Well, I wouldn't go that far, Chris. <laughs> but if, 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 if you sit and look at it, rugby was an amateur game until well into the 90s. You know, the players... You know, they had other things to do apart from the game. It wasn't the livelihood, you know. And very often the referees were, you know, similar. Uh, were similar. So it was a case of there was a bit of, you know, there, there was respect between the two because, you know, when all was said and done, you, you know, you were very often you were equals. Whereas football, being a professional game, um, it was a, you know, a different type of player different type of person in some respects it it, it it does come down to class a little it does because football was always seen as the working man's game and rugby the game of the gentleman and there was the difference um but for many years it always seemed to be you know not a big issue and then ever through the 60s and 70s as the money started to slowly come into the game it just seemed to be like a drip, 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 drip effect. Players were getting more money. The referees weren't necessarily, you know, they were still amateur. Referees were still amateur quite up till, ooh, well into Premier League days. They went to the mid-90s when the players had been professional all their lives. Yeah, and it's just a case of, you know, the, the way the game's developed and evolved. It's brought, you know, in some respects, I think it's just exacerbated the problems that were already there in the world. But anyhow... We're not here to talk, so what was it? <laughs> well, just, it, just one of those things. Let's, 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 there's, there's something that I actually find rather amusing. At the start of every football game, they have that silly respect handshake. Yeah. What is the point? 
There is no point to that to me whatsoever. You've not you've not played. You've not done anything. Far more important is the end of the game where they go and shake each other's hand. Mm. Because mm. just shaking somebody's hand, oh yeah, I've I've not met you before. Yeah, hello. Um, but at the end of the game, we've kicked each other for the last ninety minutes. You've got each other faces. End of the game, you shake hands, go by each other a pint in the bar, and mm. that's it. It's game's over. Let's carry on. And that's what we're going to lose. And that's what the real shame could be is that if the physical violence continues, that the referees aren't going to go into the bar after the game. They're not going to sit and banter with the fans after the game. Saying, no, this is what it is. And like you say. They will, they will sit in the bar and they will say, actually, no, this is why I did that. That's why I did that. That's why I did that. And they allow them and they allow them to explain and humanise them. And yeah. you get them and they will have a laugh and a joke. And yeah. they'll do it. And it's like the linesmen, they have laughs and jokes. I know where I stand at Trinity, they have laughs and jokes. And they always give a little bit of banter back. Because yeah. that's what you want to see, just to show the human. Mm. And I think mm. that's what people forget, because so many people watch football on telly. You can scream at a television, it never talks back to you. <laughs> you it's, yeah. it's, and because it's like watching a film, whatever happens in a TV, it's only TV, it's not real. And maybe some of that is when people go to watch it actually at the game, they forget that they are 11 humans on each side mm. for the players plus three or four officials who are all human as well. Mm. And they forget that, well, it's not a little pretend. I'm not playing FIFA. I'm not going to chase the ref. I'm not going to do all that sort of thing. And they just forget that, well, this is real life and you can't get away with doing that. But I've I've quite often seen things on sports fields that you wouldn't somebody to that somebody in the street. Well, no, that's right. You're a prison mate. But on sports field, no, 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 no. We just got a bit over exuberated. It's all right. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's as I was saying. There's a lot of things happen on the football field that if it happened in a place of employment, the perpetrator would be, you know, expecting dismissal. But because it's sports and not seen as, yeah, not seen as, as big an issue, you know, is sometimes it gets overlooked, pushed under the carpet. Yeah, you know, just completely forgotten about, and I think that's the attitude we've got to take. We've got to decide where do you know where where do we put a line? You know, yes, when referees do actually get attacked, it's you know it, it, the police do have to t- you know take a stand and be involved. Because once upon a time, the police never used to bother what happened on the football field because they were perceived that you know the game could police itself. As it's turned out, the game cannot police itself. Um, it would well, be, you know, it, it, can, it can only do it to an extent because, at the end of the day, if you are physically assaulting somebody else, it doesn't should make a difference whether you're on the football field or not. No. You're right; it shouldn't, and I completely agree. You know, physical violence has got no place in the world or on the field. Um, one of the things that you know I would like to see, and it'll never, ever, ever, ever happen because the time for it has passed, is basically um, those of us who follow. Um, fortunes at county league level um, very often you'll see suspensions measured in terms of days you know not matches days so for example a serious red card could get you know 21 days 28 days wouldn't be nice if that kind of uh, punishment was brought in to the professional game say for an example um, you you have have a nasty two-footed challenge that you know, put somebody in hospital and put them out of the game for six months. Yeah. 
fan. Your suspension should match the time that the injured players are out. Be a nice ideal world. Never happen. But, you know, a month suspension, not measured on the term, number of games. Can you imagine what a difference that would make at professional level, given the fact that some months you can play six, eight games in a month? You know, being suspended for, for a month. For 28 days. 35 days. That might just have a little bit of an effect and to you know, get people to realise exactly what they're doing. But no, there's no point for losing your rag at the referee. He's human. You know, yeah, he makes mistakes, but players make mistakes. You know, players can end up making a rash challenge, uh, not being in the right place to, you know, to, you know, to, 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 to block a cross or, you know, missing a header. Or yeah. jumping into the crowd and uh, yeah. having to go at one of the fans, and yeah. it's it's, it's 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 the same thing in the fact that you know you, you players have excused an awful lot on the field and awful lot in their lives, but you expect the referee to be perfect, and he's human just like anybody else. He gets up on the morning, goes to his work. Friday night, he thinks right. Well, you know, he looks at his diary to remind himself where he's going on Saturday. You know, Sometimes. Well, some of them don't even look till Saturday morning. I'm sure. <laughs> well, you know. I, I just, uh, we did have a case where the referee uh, forgot he had. That. I remember. Yes, I remember that one. I remember <laughs> that, was only that a couple one. Of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. But you know, it's just a case of you know, for him, you know, if the referee is still enjoying the game after all this, he goes out there because he, you know, he's still enjoying the game, and this is his way of making sure that games takes a game takes place. Because if you look down and say like step six or step seven. You don't have a referee. You don't have a game. You know, and some of those clubs, you know, you know, need to have games. But if you, but if you're basically driving the referees away by the way you treat them on the field, then hold on, you're shooting yourself in the foot as well, because you're reducing the number of refs you'll get in the future to actually take control of the games where players start at levels where players begin their career. And you take all the competitive elements out of it because you've scared off all the referees because you're abusing them, you're threatening them, you actually t- turn around and actually rearrange the nose for them, or because of your frustration on the field. Hold on. Stand back and think about this for a second. No referees, no game, no game, fewer players, fewer players, fewer clubs, fewer clubs, fewer leagues, and it goes on. You cannot expect people to give up their Saturday afternoons for a pittance if all they're going to get is abuse and threats. Respect your referees, everyone. That's what you've got to do. Make it so that referees are valued. Don't, quite, don't put them on a pedestal. Don't do that. Treat them as human beings. Admit they make mistakes, just like we all make mistakes. That's what you've got to do. And then we can start changing this, where we don't have to have a respect agenda, that we don't have to acknowledge that these things exist. Change things so we know that the referees are there and they want to be there. Money doesn't come into it. It all comes down to how they're treated. And if we don't treat them right, we won't have any. And we won't have any game worth talking about in the future. Simple thing. Can't see it happening. (laughs) We can only hope, and uh, 
it's one of those things. I will like to wish everybody a uh, happy Christmas because we're not actually going to be recording again until the 28th of December uh, with the uh, two weeks that are off. Yeah. Rob, your link to your blog, Football As I See It, is top story this week. But oh, uh, what else can we find you? And where else? <laughs> well, this week it's back to back to the football action after the intro- fun and games at, at Enfield for Hampton Richmond. We're finally going to get the County Cup match played this week hopefully tomorrow night in your so county got, yes it's going to be played at Hillingdon which for those of you who know Middlesex know it's on the northern side of Middlesex but it's nice easy run for both fans of Hayes and Yedding and fans of Hampton then on Saturday we've got a lovely little home game against Grey's Athletic so you know still doing the football I've opened up the blog this week just because this really got up my nose you can tell and um, so and I'm still out there on Twitter at Ravid Robo still got the podcast facebook as well so i'm still out there any messages any stories that you've heard let us know and then we can share them with everybody yeah you can always follow the show on twitter as well at non-league pod and uh, it's james uh, will be back he was just uh, otherwise engaged tonight as hopefully dave will be as well on the 28th you can uh, follow there you've uh, at golden vision 90 out there on twitter and uh, you can also uh, follow uh, james uh, either at under the league on twitter or under the league.com um but really whatever you've been doing i uh, Wish you a happy Christmas and uh, yeah, thank you for listening.